And now I've been hearing people talking about retiring the handshake like forever. Oh my gosh. Who's, who after this is going to want to do handshaking? Wow. And I thought about that and I thought, wow, I Googled handshaking, um, the history of, and it goes back to the fifth century BC. Wow. It's a really ancient tradition of initially, of course, demonstrating trust between people. Uh, I have no weapons is, is what the Google said the origin of it was. It's not so much that anymore, but it's, it's a very, very long-standing, hundreds and hundreds of years old, long-standing tradition of a polite greeting. Mm. We're not going to do that anymore? Welcome, everybody, to the podcast, Relationships. Let's talk about it. I'm Preble Toplitsky. I'm a psychotherapist specializing in relationship issues. Everybody's got one. Partners, family, friends, co-workers, neighbors, relationships. Let's talk about it. Welcome, everybody, to this episode of The Loss of Touch. I get to have a conversation with my very good friend, Greg Lavoie, a returning guest to the podcast. Those of you that have heard different episodes with Greg and I on such topics of heartbreak, getting whacked by love. Another one we did was male friendships and how to have a generous conversation. We've done about four or five. You can check out the show notes for some links to some of those past podcasts. I just love having conversations with Greg. We have a good rapport. We go back and forth, and he is an eloquent speaker, passionate speaker. He is a very talented writer and author of the books Vital Signs, The Nature and Nurture of Passion, and also Callings, Finding and Following an Authentic Life, which is rated among the top 20 career publications by the Workforce Information Group. And also, Greg is a former behavioral specialist at USA Today, and he is a regular blogger for Psychology Today. He is a lecturer and seminar leader in the business, educational, and governmental, face-based, and human potential arenas and has keynoted and presented workshops at various businesses and educational institutions. You can learn more about Greg at greglavoy.com. You can check out my show notes for some hyperlinks on it. So in this conversation, we talk about what's up for a lot of people right now is the loss of touch right now in our society. We are really challenged because of social distancing, physical distancing, of not having touch in our lives. You know, Greg calls it also the stranger danger mode that we're in. We aren't comfortable, of course, touching people because of this pandemic. And also what that does to our psyche and our mental and physical well-being. So we dive into our own personal experiences with that. Uh, Greg is a, a single person and tells us what's going on in his life around touch, being a single person in the world, which is a little different than my world, having uh, a partner at home, my son is home, I've got some animals at home, I got some touch. 
going on, but not nearly to the degree that I'm used to. So I think we're all exploring this with some confusion, also with some grief, things that we want to be able to experience in our life with our family, our loved ones, older generation that we're not able to do. So it, it was a great conversation. It really flowed. And I think it's a meaningful one for people to to contemplate and understand what's up in their life around the loss of touch. Before we get on to this conversation, I also want to thank all of you that have been listening to my podcast and that are passing it on. I really appreciate your feedback and that it's making a difference in your lives and your relationships. And if you are inclined to support the podcast financially, you can go to my website, heartsharecounseling.com, click on support the podcast page, and you can leave a one-time donation or a reoccurring donation. I would greatly appreciate it. And I love to get listeners' questions so I can answer them on a future podcast. You can do it two ways. You can send me an email at heartshares at yahoo.com, or you can go to my website, heartsharecounseling.com, click on the podcast page, and there's a button at the bottom to leave a voicemail message with your question. Alrighty, folks, I hope you really enjoy this conversation with me and Greg on the loss of touch. Let's talk about it. All right, my man. I love it. We are doing another podcast and we are doing it remotely and can't be with each other, but we can be each other this way. So thanks so much to uh, do this with me from all the way from California and yeah, in North Carolina. Yeah. So we're going to explore touch, folks. It's a juicy topic right now for people. Yeah. It's been juicy for you, huh? definitely been juicy for me, you know, partly because I live solo as opposed to you who has a wife and a couple of cats. And now your son is back from Europe for a couple of months. Um, so it's been, it's heightened for people, I think, who, who live solo. What's it been like? Well, yeah, it's an acquired taste. All right. <laughs> <laughs> to, um, suddenly not, I mean, it's not even just about not having a social life in the way that we normally do, or I normally do, but suddenly being thrown into the stranger danger frame of mind that, um, and you know, here's the thing about the, the, this coronavirus, we are all being told to do something that does not come at all naturally to a social animal like us, and that is stay away from each other. You can't pick ants off of each other's hair anymore. You That's can't. right. <laughs> you, you, can't, you, you can't de-louse each other and run your fingers through each other's hair and all that. I guess that would be the original nitpicking, wouldn't it? <laughs> That's right. That's right. But, uh, but we're being instructed to stay away from one another, and I've been hearing stories from the trenches of what that's actually like for people. And I'm, I'm thinking of people who are grandparents who can't see their grandchildren because their kids don't want to take the chance or people who can't visit their elderly 
parents in the assisted living center because it's on lockdown. And even if it wasn't on lockdown, they wouldn't risk it, you know, or massage therapists, right? Like yourself or hospital baby cuddlers. I talked to one of them who just miss being able to nurture other people. Yeah. Newborn babies that are being born and their family members, like you said, grandparents or extended family can't come over and touch this baby and hold this baby. Exactly. And so one of the themes that I'm hearing emerging out of these, these kind of stories is, again, it's not just the loss of social life, but a particular element of it that is clearly scientifically crucial to health and happiness, which is touch, human touch. And touch is like a kind of social glue. And without it, we're kind of in danger of becoming unglued. And the science that backs that up is pretty substantial. I mean, you probably remember this from your studies in becoming a psychologist in the remember Harlow's monkeys. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, this is back in the fifties. Yeah. The fur and the wire. Yeah. Yeah. This is a psychologist at the university of Wisconsin who did these studies of baby rhesus monkeys who were raised by surrogate mothers. And so what he found is that the babies preferred a surrogate mother who was made out of soft terry cloth, but offered no food rather than one that offered them food, but was made of wire. And what he discovered is that touch was more important than food. Wow. Yeah. Like that's, that's the ultimate food in some way, right? Then that's what it's saying. That touch is the ultimate food. Yeah. It's certainly, it's nurturance, it's survival. I remember studies from orphanages in Romania. This is back, I guess, during World War II and afterwards that babies who are not touched suffer what they call miasma, which is the failure to thrive. And they literally die by not being picked up and held and touched and cuddled and whatnot. You know, and so I don't know. So what this whole issue brings up is how incredibly powerful touch is. I feel like Oh, I've mostly been okay with not having it, but science would tell me that that's not necessarily the case. I mean, almost in the same way that science tells us that social isolation is bad for people, and especially as we get older. With touch, you know, when we get touched and even touch another person, our cortisol levels instantly go down, the stress hormones go down, and oxytocin, the feel-good hormones and nurturing hormones go up. So just in the fact that we're not, most people aren't getting that as much during their waking hours from their endocrine system of hormones that are being excreted is being compromised in that way. And therefore also their immune system is being compromised. Just the one thing that we're not supposed to (laughs) happen right now. (laughs) Compromise. Right. Yeah. 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 It's interesting. The, um, you mentioned the preemies. I I ran across this. Preemies who get three 15-minute sessions of touch therapy a day for like five to 10 days gain 50% more weight than preemies who don't. I sure hope that doesn't translate to (laughs) grown-ups. I'm going to gain 50% more weight if I start touching people. Yeah, It hasn't to me. That's good. I can vouch for that. I'm getting more touch. I'm not gaining weight. Yeah. And I've read that school kids whose teachers 
kind of pat them on in a friendly and of course appropriate way are three times more likely to speak up in class. And uh, you'll appreciate this one, NBA basketball teams whose players engage in what they refer to as celebratory touch. Slapping you know, each other on the ass, the more yeah, slapping on the ass. Exactly. Yeah. High fives and chest bumps and all that good stuff. They win more games than teams who don't. They win more games and they play in a more cooperative way than teams that don't. Interesting. And the lady who did the preemie study um, is a neurologist at a Duke. She said, touch is far more essential than our other senses. She says it's 10 times stronger than verbal or emotional contact. Mm. So there's that. I mean, I don't mean this to scare anybody. Like you're not being touched and you're, you're compromising your health, but there is some science to back that up. I know that it's compromising relationships. The vision that came up for me when you were talking I have such vivid memories of my father touching the inside of my hand when I would fall asleep when I was a kid or even as a teenager, I would fall asleep by him on the floor. My hand would be kind of open and he would just gently caress the inside of my hand and I would fall asleep, but it, it created a sense of safety for me. So when, when I get the inside of my hand caressed when I get a massage, I, I can fall asleep really easy. There's a sense of like safety in that. And that stemmed for more safety in my relationship with my, with my father. And I think many people can go back to see what level of touch that they had growing up from their parents. What, what did you have? What comes to mind yeah. around that? Yeah, that's a really good question to ask people to pose to themselves is what, what's your relationship to touch? Uh, do you like it? Do you feel safe with it? Do you not? Do you prefer people not touch you? Yeah, I've, I guess I've got a similar one and from the, a similar parent. Uh, it was my dad who was really the the nurturer in that department. And my memory is him grabbing each one of us, kind of raking his face against ours with his, you know, five o'clock shadow that kind of felt like a grade six sandpaper. But there was something about just being close to him that way. And that touch that has kind of stuck with me my whole life, even to this day, um, it's just something that I love doing is putting my cheek up against other people's cheeks. Mm. And, you know, those are things that I've missed since March when the pandemic started. I, you know, I've been told that I can do some of this for myself, that to some degree, I can apply self-soothing touch to myself and kind of get myself through the pandemic with at least a kind of a bare minimum, what do they call it, required daily intake or something. And, you know, like get some of the psychological and physiological benefits that come with interpersonal touch. I can do by anything from self-massage, kind of like what your dad did with your hand, but on my whole body or yoga, I've heard will do it, stretching to some degree, rubbing your own feet. There are ways that those of us who don't have access to a partner or to pets can get some of this, these goodies and give it to ourselves. I suppose you could even like foster a pet. Mm -hmm. Are you going around the neighborhood more and touch more pets like you usually do? No, because a lot of people are freaked out by that. And uh, you can't imagine the restraint um, I've had to exercise in that department because, you know me, I'm, I'm a dog freak. I volunteer at the SPCA 
uh, once a week, at least I did pre-pandemic. And it's a natural impulse to me to just go toward people's dogs when I see them on the street, even on leashes. And I'm really having to rein myself in from doing that. Some people are fine. And people who let me play with their dogs have no idea the favor that they're doing me because it's been about the only hands-on intimacy I've had for much of the pandemic. So when I get a dog and an owner who lets me play with them, I go to town. <laughs> <laughs> that dog is one lucky dog. Man. Oh, it's almost like, okay, it's been an hour. We've got to go now. <laughs> wow. But, you know, this is interesting, isn't it? That we, There's a way in which uh, we don't have to rely just on other people to get this kind of touch. We can give it to ourselves to some degree. To some degree, yeah. yeah I think so, that's the challenge is, is that degree. Like I, you know, I have fond memories of, of sitting on my both grandmother's laps as, as a kid and as a teenager to, for mm-hmm. them to scratch my back. And it, it was wonderful. They loved it. I loved it. Uh, yeah, I can get a back scratcher, you know, a wooden back scratcher, you know, right now. But it's it's not the same. Or, you know, my sister and I, we would we would do that. Come on, I'll give you a dime for, you know, five minutes of a back scratch. You know, we did that as a kid. <laughs> but there was something about I can't I can't do that kind of nurturing in some way to myself. And uh, that's right. That's so how are you how are you coping with? I mean, you're getting a certain uh, amount of touch, I imagine, just from, of course, having a partner and having cats. But mm-hmm. how is it? How is the touch scene unfolding for you in the rest of the your life? Yeah, you know, the, the awkwardness of, you know, I'm I'm a huggy guy. I love to hug. So mm-hmm. when I see you, know that man, I yep. I get you from behind all the time. Yeah, I know, I know. And so it's challenging for me when I see friends that I know, neighbors. I know there's an inclination that I'm not going to cross that boundary because most people right now don't want that or, you know, it's even a challenge for, for them to put up a boundary. So I'm not going to even push them to do that. But I can feel that tendency that I'm actually this exuberance expression of care or excitement or joy is tapered and I have oh. to try to you know, express maybe that I'm glad to see them in a different way or or use some type of content energy as opposed to the excitement to want to hold somebody or in, or in a gesture. So I can feel, uh-huh. I can feel myself, there's like this distance to this experience of, of touching people that I'm, I'm accustomed to touching. Mm-hmm. Right. I've noticed, um, I had my first handshake since March. I thought you were going to say hand job. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, uh, yeah. that's a whole nother podcast. Yeah, we'll, yeah, we're going to get into that. <laughs> um, but I had my first handshake since March. I was up in the wilderness up outside of Tahoe, a place called Desolation Wilderness, and way up in the back country. And I um, was asking somebody for some GPS directions. Uh, There's a couple of guys that I met at some remote lake who happened to be camping and I was a little disoriented and I asked for directions and he, he gave them to me and I was so grateful for the help. And I just said, thank you so much. And he was, he just reached out his hand to shake me and I looked at his hand and I looked at him and I looked back at his hand and went, oh my God. I haven't done this since March. And I just reached my hand back out and I gave him a good lusty handshake. Mm. And it felt so good, Prepo. Mm. And I I just figured we're out in the middle of nowhere. 
I mean, I realized, I guess, technically I was taking a chance, but it felt so good. And now I've been hearing people talking about retiring the handshake like forever. Oh, my gosh. Who's, who after this is going to want to do handshaking? Wow. And I thought about that and I thought, wow. I Googled handshaking, um, the history of, and it goes back to the 5th century B.C. Wow. It's a really ancient tradition of initially, of course, um, demonstrating trust between people. Uh, I have no weapons is, is what the Google said the origin of it was. It's not so much that anymore, but it's, it's a very, very long-standing, hundreds and hundreds of years old, long-standing tradition of a polite greeting. Mm. We're not going to do that anymore? Unbelievable. Yeah. not that interesting? I was wondering... Just the, the thought of like with Asian cultures right now, is there less of a spread because there's less handshaking, there's more bowing? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll take to doing a namaste bow to one another mm -hmm. now or, well, I don't know, fist bumps yeah. and elbow bumps. I love the handshake too. It's yeah, cool. right? Yeah. Another one is I got my first hug since early April from a woman I was on a date with who offered it. Again, I just stared at her for a moment and I went, really? And I took the risk. I took the risk just to get that quality of touch again. Once again, it felt great. In fact, I even asked her if she would be willing to let me linger over it for a few extra long seconds, just to let it really sink in. Because yeah. you know how perfunctory a hug can be? That's right. Or even a handshake for that matter. Mm -hmm. You know, just a thing people do and they pat each other's back or they, they kind of air kiss one another. I did not have that kind of hug. She gave me that offer. It had been months since I'd had it. And I just, and she, she gratefully obliged my request to let me linger over it. And it was delicious. Mm. So I just felt like, okay, I got to get it in while I can. Because who knows how long this is going to be going on. And I wonder that if and when we do move through that, that we're able to re-engage in, in healthy touch, are we going to really savor it? You know, the aspect of like, oh man, we missed this. Are we going to know mm. the quality of it? Mm -hmm. Are we going to know not to take advantage? And will that shift relationships? you know, and yeah. greetings and how people depart and, you know, to savor those moments that we didn't have for such a long time. And it is right. a long time, whether it's, you know, a few months or who knows how long this is going to be. Yeah. But I, well, you know, I hope I can, that's how it turns out. I do too. Yeah. Cause I mean, it, what, what kind of society is it going to be without people, you know, not only touching, but actually like you, you, your first um, expression was about, what was it strangers about keeping away from strangers? What stranger was danger. Stranger danger. Yeah. I mean, just because that's another element. It's not just, I don't want to touch you because I'm uncomfortable with touch. It's like, I don't want to touch you because you're dangerous. You're, you're not only dangerous, you're possibly pestilential, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And that's kind of yeah. how we're approaching. Like the guy you described earlier who got into the elevator and faced toward the wall away from you. Yeah. It's yeah. like we're scared of one another because we potentially carry a deadly disease. Yeah. Yeah.
is that thought deadlier, you know, in some way? Well, yeah. So, I mean, this like some people have said, there's actually two pandemics going on side by side right now. One of them is the physical pandemic and the other is the pandemic of fear. That's right. Yeah. And uh, I don't know even which one's doing more damage ultimately, but, but I hope you're right that we realize it's like Joni Mitchell said, you don't know what you got till it's gone. Mm -hmm. And that we come back and I hope we cherish the opportunities to touch one another and not take it for granted anymore Mm -hmm. because it's something to cherish. And, And this is why I don't think it's actually overstating it to say that what we're maybe even collectively feeling about all this freaking physical distancing, sheltering in place, self-quarantining, six-foot socializing, air-hugging, and all that, what we're feeling is grief. Mm. Whether we admit it or acknowledge it or not, I think there's a level of grief. And this is on top of whatever kind of grief you're already feeling about you know, losing your job or your income or your you know, your social life or your hell, your faith in the future. The grief of what we once had and we're, we're losing that, the sense of all of that that you're speaking to. That exactly. Loss, sense of loss. And, and it is a loss. And I think at a really kind of an, a, almost a biological level, we feel it. It's like that comment you made earlier about running our fingers through each other's hair, looking for, you know. It. <laughs> yeah. It's like that, that level of physical intimacy is um, bundled into our psyches as humans. I mean, that is that is anthropologically old stuff. And we're not going to suddenly be deprived of that kind of touch and just like with impunity. At some level, we're going to feel that. And I think maybe one of the ways it's going to start off is just with the feeling of grief that's just kind of there in the background. You know, it's really interesting too when you brought up around the fear. There are some couples that I that I work with and in some individual breakout sessions, some challenges that they're really having in their relationship and exploring reasons why they're staying. And I had one person speak to that. Well, this is the one person, even though we're not getting along, this is the one person that I can touch right now. Mm-hmm. And that was a, right? That was a, an eye-opening wow. experience, experience of thinking, you know, going back into the single world, hey, you're a single guy, you know, what has that done to the dating life? Actually, it's been a boon, in my opinion. I don't know that everybody feels that way about it, but I've certainly heard people talking about this some. It's kind of forcing on us an opportunity to get to know each other more upfront before we move into the the touching mm-hmm. arena, mm-hmm. Um, to say nothing of the sexual arena. I think it's been a boon for me because I love the correspondence yeah you do you love writing all that poetry shit you know i do you, i you love that that, that you is love that courting romantic yeah. that, <laughs> that is part part of courtship and romance and getting to know somebody and getting to know how they think and they feel and how they express themselves people say no nah, i just want to i want to cut to the chase and have a cup of coffee let's just, i don't want to be i don't want a pen pal all you single women out there, you can check out my show notes and we'll have Greg's phone number on it. <laughs> <laughs> They're just wooing right there. They're going, ah, I want that. Guy. I want that. <laughs> right. Bring your feather quill pen with you. I think one of the benefits to the dating scene generally is that because people are being told and they're feeling uh, some fear around getting into the physical arena with people they don't know, it's extending that courtship period of getting to know one another 
And I think that's ultimately a good thing because by the time people do get into the touching and the romance and the sexuality and sensuality, they're going to know better whether they're even a match and whether mm. they even want to go there. And I that's think right. this is a good thing ultimately. Yeah, that's true. A wonderful thing. It's got to up people's game on the communication skills and the listening skills, exactly. you know, all the things that people kind of jump over when touch and sex gets involved, you know, way too much bypassing that, you know, drug of falling in love in that way, instead of really doing it from a really conscious Absolutely. standpoint. Yeah. Yeah. Bypassing the <laughs> rational brain for that matter, mm -hmm. you know, the discernment faculties and whatnot. So ultimately the, the inability or the restraint, I should say, on touch these days may ultimately be a good thing for that whole part of the population that is dating. I certainly don't see any reason why people shouldn't date. I mean, I've had six foot dates, walks along the beach, all that. It's perfectly fine to be doing that. But you don't get to see the person's face until they take off their mask after like, <laughs> yeah. the third date. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it's, it is sort of odd all the way around, isn't it? Yeah. But, um, you know, another thing about this grief piece, though, is I think to some degree, some of us are grieving the loss of, of many of our, and for some people, all of their physical connections with others, but also the loss of one of our primary languages of caring and concern yeah, for, for empathy, each other. Right? You know, yeah, the arm over the shoulder, the hand to hold, the hug, a massage, a kiss, you know. Um, and I think especially during times of so much fear and anxiety and uncertainty, it's painful to be cut off from this very soothing human contact. That's what makes us human, isn't it? That's what makes us human, I think, in many ways. Very much. And, and helps us connect with one another is, um, you know, that, that arm slung across the shoulder is worth its weight in gold. And, and maybe that's another one of those things we're learning the hard way is how truly precious those kind of gestures are. They're not just toss away gestures. They're really important. So anyway, you know, we can philosophize all we want about the character building potential of this whole stupid thing and the spiritual lessons and all that, but really ultimately it's still a gut punch, you know? And of course our spiritual teachers are going to be telling us, ah, uh, this is something you need to sit with right now and be with right now. And of course that's, Exactly. Get in touch with. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Get in touch with the loss of touch. Yeah. Are you hearing anything, you know, from the other end of people that were uncomfortable with touch? And like, is this kind of a little bit of like, ah, reprieve, more of an excuse, more of like, uh, this is more my world. Uh, I'm more comfortable now. I'm not the oddball out because I was uncomfortable being touched or touched. You hearing that? Absolutely. That? Aren't you hearing some of that? Yeah. Yeah, I'm hearing some of that, and <laughs> it, that's that's an interesting aspect of of people in some way justifying in some part where they knew that they wanted to branch out, and now their anxiety level is actually lower because they don't have to take the risks, and they have a perfect excuse not to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I I agree. I've been hearing that too. Is people realizing, you know, actually, I don't really miss having to socialize and having to connect and I'm more of an introvert than I ever knew. So yeah, some people are kind of relieved of, you know, some of the anxieties that come along with 
physical touch, not by all means is everybody comfortable with that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Even in the most casual way, a lot of people are just not really all that comfortable with hugging. I mean, we've all seen, uh, you know, all the different kinds of hugs there are to give some, some people do the, what do they call it? The A-frame hug? Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) <laughs> you know, or um, the pat each other on the back, which really means I want to get this over with. The creepy full body hug where you don't know somebody at all. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> there's, there's so many ways in which it can be just a real challenge for some people who don't like or don't feel safe with touch. And I would imagine if the statistics are, you know, given what they are, what is it? One in four girls and one in six boys, if I'm not mistaken, have experienced sexual abuse in the course of their childhoods. I would venture to guess a lot of those people have some real trust issues around touch. Absolutely, absolutely. If not sex. And and rightly so, you know, and that's the the part that can be an aspect of safety in this this time, but also they don't have the opportunity to also venture into some of the healing around safe touch. And that's a little bit of challenge with, with some people too that I know has gone through their healing process and it's been a little bit cut off or stunted because they were experimenting with safer touch. And that's interesting. Yeah. And that's also a part of creating some of our, you know, safe containers of um, Mm. people that are in the safe zones. And I think that that's really important of whatever that means to people. Like, I'm just curious with you and like your brother and, and Lupe, his girlfriend, are you guys socializing and your brother, Mm-hmm. Well, um, six foot socializing, including them, and they've been in a relationship for 10 years and she lives with her 92 year old mother. Okay. Yeah. So she is, uh, has a much, she has, um, you know, uh, she's in red, whereas Ross is in orange mm-hmm. <laughs> in right. terms of their, you know, their anxiety levels. And she is, they have not touched or kissed or of course made love in since March. Wow. And that is hard for a couple who's really, really physical and affectionate with one another. Tell us more about Ross and, and her relationship while you're... <laughs> Can I say that again? I I said, tell up. us more about your their relationship. Why they haven't had sex in how long? And what else did they do? <laughs> right. Again, that's an, another podcast. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Ross gave him permission to say all of this, but but yeah, like they're not the, they're not alone in that. Exactly. And of course, they don't live together. So that's why uh, they're in that situation. Obviously, uh, you don't have that situation with your partner. Right. But you know, I, you know, your comment is well, well taken because think of all the, the ways that the, all the professions of people who help others, massage therapists and tantric teachers and even, you know, body workers, yoga people. Chiropractors. Yeah. All these yeah. Uh, all these people who help others navigate some of these realms, they're, they're sidelined. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're sidelined also for their own apprehension, not just yeah. you know, about the, the spread to, to others, but even their own. You know, and that's, that's an interesting thing that I've talked with some massage therapists of they're not getting some of their wonderful needs of expressing their mm-hmm. talents and their skills and their innate uh, desire to heal in that way. And, and so there's a, yeah. So there's a grief for, for them, not just from a vocation standpoint Absolutely. income, but from a soul um, a vocation. Exactly. 
I, I imagine the dogs and cats don't know what hit them all this touch. <laughs> right, exactly. All the sublimated touch. <laughs> yeah, that's so <laughs> that's great. And you know, the pandemic isn't the only reason, people, that a lot of us are feeling touch deprived, in my opinion, you know, or even the increase in our use of technology. Mm. The U.S., from what I understand, the U.S. routinely scores really low on the physical contact scale compared to like Latin American or Mediterranean countries. So there's there's also that. Um, yeah. What about all the, the Middle Eastern countries where the men hold hands? and Exactly. There's wonderful pictures of all the U.S. presidents holding hands with those sheiks and how uncomfortable. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah, those are interesting. And, you know, to say nothing of all the 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 no touch policies that have become appropriately popular among teachers and coaches and supervisors uh, and all yeah. that the fear of harassment and litigation and all that mm. and yeah so the the pandemic isn't really the only reason why we're we're experiencing this no touch stuff there's a lot of aspects of our of our own culture uh the high tech aspect the the low physical contact aspect that are definitely affecting this whole issue of touch how much are we really taking a look at what's underneath even the easy way out that some people are taking, you know, as opposed to saying, okay, we understand this in this realm of a pandemic, but like you're saying, are we looking this underneath as a, as a culture and as a, even a human race of what are we doing with each other? This is healing. This is a way of communicating. And unfortunately, Many people cross the boundaries of unhealthy touch, and that's what we usually err on the side of in some way. So there's not a lot of room for that experimentation again about teaching more and more healthy touch in many social settings and surroundings. Exactly. Well, maybe this will also be an opportunity for us, like it is for so many systemic issues right now, for us to consider a reset and reapproach how we deal with these kind of issues. I know that there's an organization out here in California called the Human Awareness Institute that, among other things, specializes in helping people learn really healthy ways of, of creating intimacy. And uh, I've taken some of their workshops and it's really radical stuff in some ways. And on other ways, it's utterly natural. The cuddle parties and stuff? Did you do anything? Well, it's not a cuddle party so much, but it's, um, you know, a four day retreat, for instance, that's all different kinds of sort of modalities of bringing people together to interact and, and break down some of the barriers and give people opportunities to have healthy, safe touch and intimacy. And maybe those kind of organizations will, will get a boost when we are able to get back together. They're doing a lot of online stuff now, but I don't know how effective that would be compared to the in-person stuff. You know, and just even in the last year around um, consent to touch based on, you know, movements in the last year about un that type of un unhealthy touch, this is also taking another level of that, like really learning ways to talk about consenting to touch based on the pandemic and not just based on, you know, the healthy sense of consent to touch based on just being uncomfortable with the, or being more comfortable with the safety around the boundary of this is my autonomy and you can't just take it for granted that I want my body to be touched. 
Exactly. There was even an exercise in the in the high retreat. It's a human awareness institute retreat where they just had people kind of mill around and go up to random people and ask for a hug. And the instruction was you were to practice saying no. And it was really rather radical for a lot of us to say no to that kind of a request, just to practice what it would feel like to say, no, thank you. Hmm. And just hold that. And for the person who is being quote, rejected, unquote, to deal with whatever came up for them by having somebody even under instruction um, saying no to them. And, and these, I think, are really good skills to learn. And if the pandemic helped people up-level their, their consciousness around things like boundaries and healthy touch, I think it would be great for this culture, for any culture. Mm -hmm. Yeah, here, here. I love that. Some of the, one, one more thing. Some of these issues that are coming up for people like this, whether it's grief or the sorrow around loss of touch or their own emotional reactions to the pandemic, whatever those happen to be. I, I don't know how many people are really just feeling what they feel, taking the time to just sit with how stressful or how unsettling this all is and doing what the spiritual teachers are telling us to do, which is just be with it. If you're in grief, be in grief. If you're lost, be lost. If you're um, excited by not having to interact with people, be excited, whatever. But I think a lot of people are doing the distraction game from whatever emotional states are coming up in relation, especially any of the ones on the darker end of the spectrum. They're just, they're distracting themselves. And of course, addictions and binging behavior are huge right now, whether it's booze and TV or, or online shopping, or alcohol. You know, food, right. Um, I think there's, from what I've heard, and you've probably heard this too, there's just a lot of relapsing going on and a lot of people obviously turning toward addictive behavior under stress. These emotions are not going to be fixed by Netflix binging. Nope. They're going to be there the second the credits start to roll on whatever your latest movie is. And, and though I understand the desire to want to check out and avoid pain, Pain does not go away just because you ignore it. Everybody probably knows this at some level, but these emotions will be right there the second you stop, whatever the binging behavior is. And I think grief is, is the loss that we feel around um, physical contact with one another is definitely one of those. Be in touch with your feelings, folks, right? Like be in touch with it. Yeah, absolutely. I know that's, a, that's one of the oldest games in town, but it's so true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, juicy subject, brother. Very. Juicy subject. If you were here, I'm gonna. I would give you a big hug, though. Yeah. I would and I would take it. it. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hopefully soon. Hopefully soon. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Thanks so much for uh, for venturing in in this way. You know, this remote podcast gig, um, and to touch upon this great subject around touch and i know that you've been really contemplating it writing about it in your psychology today blogs and and thanks and congratulations by the way on your hundredth podcast that's right which would just happen a little bit ago so i'm i'm surpassing that so uh <laughs> you were in the incubation stage all those yeah. all those times that we were 
talking about the potential of me doing a podcast when yep. we we were set to go to a movie, but we ended up talking for two hours in the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> you were you were a real uh, cheerleader in it, and yeah, I love having you on, and people love our conversation. So I'm looking forward to to doing more. Since you said that you were going to be fucking off the rest of the summer, then <laughs> try a couple more podcasts. In. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thanks for inviting me, people. Mm-hmm. Relationships, Let's Talk About It is a production of HeartShare Counseling and Consulting PC of Asheville, North Carolina. For more on licensed counselor Prepo Teplitsky, visit heartsharecounseling.com. Theme music by Adi the Monk. This content is intended for informational purposes only is not a substitute for professional counseling and psychotherapy, medical advice, diagnosis or treatment, and does not constitute medical or other professional advice.